What's going on, everybody? In this episode of Screen Speak, I'm going to go ahead and talk all things Gran Turismo, the sort of video game based movie that's from director Neil Blomkamp, which is the director uh, most famously of District 9 and Elysium, as well as a couple other movies that some people don't really remember, Chappie being one of them. But now he's back with a semi. Semi-video game movie. It's not It's not really a video game movie, but it kind of is. So we'll talk about that in this episode and more. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that follow button on whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on. It could be Spotify. could be Apple Podcasts. could be Google Podcasts or one of the other gajillion, bajillion, kajillions. I don't even know if kajillions is a word, but I'm trying to say other podcast platforms that are out there. There's a lot of them. And screen at uh, screen speak. Can I remember the name of my own podcast? Yes, I can. It can be found on all of those. So go ahead and check that out. Before I get into the episode, I do want to go ahead and give a few updates to you all. First, I was most recently at the Iowa Independent Film Festival, the 16th annual one in Mason City in Clear Lake, Iowa, where I spent uh, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and and some of the day on Sunday, but mostly coming back home to the land of Cedar Rapids. Uh, But before that, I was at the Iowa Independent Film Festival, having the pleasure of meeting with and recording content with a variety of different filmmakers and artists alike up there. Very excited to be able to share all of those great conversations with you all. Um, I have a lot of stuff I'm compiling with it and kind of getting prepped so that I can release it all. Uh, excuse me, release it all to you in an according time frame. So just be patient while I go ahead and work through that. And in the meantime, I'm going to be putting up episodes like this while I'm getting the rest of that stuff out there. But point being, there's a lot of great content coming for Screen Speak, and right now, that's in no short thanks to the Iowa Independent Film Festival. So I want to thank the Iowa Independent Film Festival board for having me out to Mason City and Clear Lake, Iowa to attend and record exclusive content with the filmmakers and artists out there. I really appreciated it. I have a lot of thoughts on the festival itself that I'm debating whether or not I should record just a solo episode to kind of unpack all of that. Otherwise, I'll definitely be dropping all the conversations that I recorded on site at the festival here very soon. So do pay attention to that when that does drop. And the way to pay attention to that, of course, is by hitting the follow button and the notifications and all the plug things that a podcaster like myself is going to ask you to do. So go ahead and do all that stuff right now. Same thing translates over to social media. So that being said, I just want to go ahead and get into this. I know that I'm ready. I think you're ready. Let's go ahead and start the episode right now. So on this episode of Screen Speak, I'm talking all about the video game-based movie Gran Turismo. So let me go ahead and rattle off the story for this, and we'll just go ahead and jump right in. So the story of Gran Turismo is that it's based on a true story of the gamer-turned-race-car driver Jan Martinborough. I think that's how you say his name. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And the movie is the ultimate sports underdog story, if you will, about a person that is a gamer that rises from gamer obscurity all the way to becoming a professional race car driver for Team Nissan uh, and basically living out his race car dreams in reality and not on PlayStation's Gran Turismo. So that is essentially the plot in a nutshell. So to start, here's what I know about the game Gran Turismo itself. Not much. (laughs) 
<laughs> to, to tell you the truth. Uh, growing up, I was a, more of a Nintendo kid. It's not necessarily by choice. It's just that's what my mom and my dad would buy me as Nintendo consoles. So I had the original Nintendo. Uh, skipped over the Super Nintendo for some reason. Not 100% sure why. Uh, then made the leap to N64. And then I think from there, we did have a PlayStation 1, and I, I don't know actually when the first Gran Turismo was released, but I don't think it came out till like PS2, I want to say. Let's actually find this out while I'm recapping the video games here. So, first Gran, okay, if I can type, first Gran Turismo game, let's see. <clears throat> Looks like the very first one came out in 1997, and okay, I guess it was on the original PlayStation. Okay, well, I never got the one on the original PlayStation, um, but going back to my game history, had the original PlayStation, never got a PS2, though I always really wish I did because there was a lot of really great titles that came out for that. And I did get to play those vicariously through different friends, uh, but I didn't actually own one myself. And then I spent a lot of time on the Nintendo GameCube, and I think the Wii eventually came into the picture, and then where I stayed at until jumping over to PC was Xbox primarily. So, that's essentially my game console system history, if you will, but Gran Turismo never really figured into that that much and it's surprising because i actually really like video games that are based around racing i mean super mario kart aside when i was a kid i used to play need for speed quite a bit because i used to get really into all the customization and running from the pigs running from the cops the cops i'll actually tell you right now don't call cops pigs i mean one i would assume that's common sense but two uh well Cops don't being like called derogatory names that are in reference to an oink oink machine known as a pig. So definitely don't do that. But I digress. So Gran Turismo, I was familiar with it. I know there's a lot of different series. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of games that are in the series, but I never really played it that much. I think I played it a handful of times and I just thought I was like, oh, okay, this is like a, you know, a, a more realistic racing game. And it was fun, but it kind of just reminded me of games like Forza Motorsport and things like that. And I always kind of preferred the ones where you, you know, ran away from the cops and got to be in like underground street racing and that kind of thing. Uh, games like Need for Speed, as I mentioned, and Midnight Club. Midnight Club Los Angeles, by the way, is a great game. Throwing just a random shout out for that, but that game is fantastic. So if you never got around to playing that play that if nothing else just for the moment of the fact that you can get pulled over by the police in that game and they actually show the dash cam footage of the cop like walking up to your car and you can just rev up your engine and speed off and watch the cop freak out it never gets old never gets old in that game but <clears throat> excuse me i'm losing my voice but anyways let's continue so that's pretty much all I knew about the game. I played it a couple of times, and it was a fairly realistic simulation of professional race car driving. That's about it. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the story. So the story of this thing, like I had previously said in the synopsis, it's about a kid that's a gamer. I want to say it's in England, and he is trying to live out his lifelong dream of becoming a race car driver. Eventually, Orlando Bloom's character, which is, a, I believe, this guy named Danny Moore... <clears throat> 
He's essentially a marketing executive that works for, I think he works for Nissan. And I think he either like he pitches it to PlayStation or Nissan or a combination of both to essentially hold a exclusive driver's tournament for all the simulation racers and try to pick the top like seven or 10 people, I think, to basically compete in a racing academy in order to pick one of those people to be a legit real deal, like contract signed for a race car driving company's uh, professional driver. That's essentially the story of the movie. And what I was surprised about going into this movie is, well, actually a fair amount of things. I'll be honest. I did not really have a lot of expectation about this. I had seen the trailers and I was like, huh, it seems interesting. I like movies that are about racing. I like playing racing games myself. And I'm kind of familiar with Gran Turismo and the cast is overall pretty good with David Harbour and Orlando Bloom and my cat apparently using his claws to tear up the top of my futon. He's kind of come far enough along that I can't really stop him at this point, but I am going to go ahead and swat him away. KP, come on. Go get down. You might have heard him thump. I, I, I assure you no no animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so, intriguing things about the cast, for sure, and the story of this being interesting as well, because technically speaking, technically speaking, you could say that this is a video game movie, but I would actually argue that it's not. That it's actually, in fact, a true story movie or a biopic movie as it's more commonly referred to when it's about a moment in an individual's life it does revolve around the game for sure like the game is certainly an important component to it but it's not like it's borrowing directly from the storyline of Gran Turismo Gran Turismo last I checked never even has a storyline you're just purely playing it for the racing there is no campaign or characters or side quests or anything like that It's racing and doing a lot of customization to your cars on real-world-based tracks. Now, what I appreciated about the movie to kind of start is that they really actually show you from the ground up how much attention to detail is put into this game and why, over the years, it's garnered such a reputation in the gaming community, specifically aspiring racers, because of that attention to realism and trying to make it as accurate to doing basically everything but getting in the real car and driving it yourself. All of that is very well presented in the movie and representative uh, through the course of the story. So there's that. I walked away with a lot of things from this movie. First, the overall athleticism and professionalism that comes with driving one of these incredibly fast cars. Um, This movie does a really good job of kind of breaking down the mechanics of a car without getting too in the weeds of it, but having the viewer be able to appreciate all the, the mechanisms and inner workings of a car that make it work. And also just the, the overall expectations that are placed onto a driver that has to get behind the wheel and do this. I mean, it's not just a matter of going fast. There is the overall handling of the cars. Uh, David Harbour's character at one point says that, you know, the, the people sustain like really high G forces, like the type that you experience when you're being launched into space. There is the collateral damage that can happen when you either wreck the car, wreck other drivers, or in some cases kill other people or even yourself. And then there's a great emphasis and focus on the split decisions that a real true driver in all sense of the word would have to make. Um, when they're in a tough situation where they're either in a bottleneck and they have cars on side to side, they got to take a quick corner or just do something basically 
purely off of instinct. That's what they have to do. It's pretty crazy. Another thing that was really interesting in this movie was its commentary or, excuse me, I'm itching a bug bite on my foot. Oh, hang on. Oh, shit. I really should not itch that, but it feels good. Ooh, why does it feel so good to itch bug bites? You know, I'm actually sure I could Google that, but I don't think I want to know the answer to it. In the words of Joe Pantoliano, is, if that's how you say his name, I'll, I'll insert the clip right now. Ignorance is bliss. I think I was talking about things I appreciated in this movie. I, I'm just kind of jumping into it. This, this episode is not as prepared as some of my other ones, but I, I don't care. I just, I wanted to talk about this movie. I saw it like a week or two ago before I went to the Iowa Independent Film Festival, and I was like, damn it. I need to make an episode around this movie because I got some thoughts, so I'm dropping them right now. Anyways, simulation driving and professional driving is something that I found interesting, the distinction between the two. Now, the distinction between the two is, is of course, incredibly obvious. You have people that are driving actual race cars, and they've been trained in it from from either an early age or they've just had experience working on a race team and being a part of a crew and doing racing. Then you have, I guess, hardcore gamers, hardcore sim drivers, whatever you want to call it, people that play the game obsessively, but yet know so much about the tracks and the performance uh, aspects of the car and all the parts that go into it, but they haven't actually set foot into an actual car. So then the movie does an interesting job of sort of showing the the, the natural apprehension or in some cases, uh, well, I'm trying to think... Uh, there's a word for this um not persecution that, that that's way too high and mighty for that um well i don't know what what is the word that you would use for like if there's another group that's trying to do the same thing you're doing but you've worked harder to do it and so you're trying to kind of you know talk down to them and make them feel like they're less what whatever the expression would be for that that's sort of what they were kind of showing in this is that the professional drivers are like these guys or you know these guys or girls are not real race car drivers. Like these are just loser gamers that play too many video games and they can't handle driving a real car. Um, Certainly there can be thoughts to be said about that aspect of it alone, but I wasn't expecting that level of, of nuance, frankly, from a Gran Turismo movie. And I'm not saying that this movie is like a really deep dive onto a lot of, uh, a lot of subjects like that. But for something that I thought was just going to be a kind of run-of-the-mill underdog sports story that features cars in it, they had some interesting things like that in it. So I thought that was incredibly interesting. And then for that matter, the character himself, the main guy, uh, Jan Martinborough, who's played by the actor uh, Archie... Archie, what? Archie, what is your name? Let me figure this out. I just had your name up here in front of the screen. Uh, Archie Mattaquee. I hope, hopefully I said your name right, dude. I, I, I really don't know. But Archie Mattaquee, sure. He plays Jan Marnborough. I mean, his story is fascinating. He's a person that literally played so much of this game that his knowledge of handling of cars and the tracks themselves arguably were surpass even some of the most trained racers that were there. Um, that's pretty crazy. And just the fact that he was able to make this transition from you know, having a, a, a nice driving simulator set up at his like apartment that he lives in with his parents to bam, I'm now behind the wheel of a car that can go God knows how much horsepower and potentially get me killed 
as well as the people around me and just be a complete rocket, you know, just like, just be a complete storm of a car and just be a complete mess. He was able to make this transition. And I'm like that, that alone, I mean, is a great story. So I can definitely see why they decided to go ahead and make this movie apart from it, just having the, the brand recognition for Gran Turismo. All the acting in this movie I thought was pretty strong. Uh, the lead is is fine. Uh, Archie, what is it? Archie Madwick, Madqui? I can't say his name. I'm just I'm just gonna call you Archie. Sorry, Archie, but I can't can't pronounce your last name right now. Um, Archie's good. Orlando Bloom is serviceable, and he I shouldn't say serviceable. It's kind of insulting to him. He is um, commendable for his performance as Danny Moore, the marketing guy that's kind of the person that put the fuel to the gas on this whole crazy idea of getting simulation racers to becoming race car drivers. But I think the person that steals the movie is David Harbour. Um, He takes the, I suppose he takes what could have been a conceived, contrived character, which is like the older kind of grizzly veteran guy that is kind of jaded to the youth and, you know, comes around to liking him. I thought he took that trope and just a added his unique flair and personality into it. But then there also was unexpected levels of depth that I was not expecting with him, uh, his character, and then the relationship that he does have with Jan uh, Martinborough or the actor that is Archie. So I wasn't expecting that. And also, Jaman uh, Hansu, if I'm saying his name correctly, I hope so. Why this guy does not either have an Oscar just yet or is not like considered for one more seriously, I, I, I honestly like don't get. I'm trying to look up this guy's resume so that way you can see it. Yeah, I'm pulling him up right now. So, uh, Jaman Hansu, I mean, A, he's in Gladiator, Blood Diamond, Amistad, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, he's had a he's had a great career, honestly. Like he's been in the Quiet Place Part Two. Um, oh God, what else is he in that was good? Oh yeah, I forgot he was in King Arthur: Legend of the Sword. That guy Richie Flop uh, from two, uh, 2017 with uh, Charlie Hunnam and and Eric Bana. Whatever happened to Eric Bana? I'm not sure, but he's been in a lot of different things, and I'm just like, damn, he's like low key given a super great performance in this. Ooh, actually, you know, looking at his resume here, I don't think he ever gets credit for this, but I'm giving him credit on it right now. Have any of you seen the Keanu Reeves movie Constantine from 2005? He is uh, Papa Midnight in that, the owner of this like demons, demon and angel nightclub of sort of like a neutral place. He is badass in that movie, and I feel like nobody ever talks about it until now, but Damn, go check out Constantine. In fact, I may I may have to watch that as we draw closer to October because that is definitely a, a Halloween kind of seasonal movie. But I digress. But he's really good in the movie. He plays uh, Jan Martinborough's father in the, mur- uh, in the movie, Steve. Steve. He has a couple of really good scenes, a couple of good emotional scenes for sure that I don't care um, how many movies you've seen where a father is like proud of the son or disapproving. There's definitely elements of that that I thought worked in this. And, and definitely, you know, got me a little misty-eyed. Not not really misty-eyed, but like, I don't know, had it gone on like maybe like another 10 minutes or something, I would have I would have got there. So we'll see. Um, cool fact about this movie, the driving in the film, um, I mean, they of course have a whole stunt team that's working on this, but the guy that the movie is based on, Jan Martinborough, like the real guy, is the stunt driver for the main character in this movie. 
And that's awesome. Like, I, I don't know how many race car movies you could say that about. I think he's also a co-producer on the movie, but I really appreciated it. And I'm really glad that towards the end of the movie or at the end of the movie, I should say, spoiler, they do show that the real guy was actually doing the stunt driving for the movie, which is awesome. I mean, that adds an entirely different level of authenticity to this movie that I just flat out was not expecting again on a Gran Turismo movie. I, I really got to admit, going into this one, I I just, I think I, I don't want to say I was wrong, but this was, this was a surprise. This movie is a surprise for sure. Um, speaking of surprises, the driving in this movie, which... I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been as surprised considering it's coming from Neil Blomkamp, who has filmed vehicles in his movie before, in his movies before, and is certainly a, a very capable director. The cinematography in this is awesome. Um, there's a couple of great shots of the car. I mean, I'd say like the bulk of this, they are using real cars on a track, and that shows very, very well. I would honestly say, like, not since Ford v. Ferrari have I seen this kind of car driving, you know, just on this scale, uh, on this, uh, up up this high in the grading scale, I guess I should say. I haven't really seen it before, so I was really impressed by that. Um, there's a couple of really neat camera tricks that they do in the movie. Um, they have a couple of cool drone shots for sure, but then they also have this great shot, or I think they do it a couple of times in the movie, where they have the camera do like a behind the car overhead view which is something that you would be accustomed to if you were playing in the third person for a video game but they did that a couple of times in like the real life racing for it and tried to sort of show the blend between racing in the simulation version versus the real uh, which I found to be actually really stimulating and and really cool from an audience perspective um <clears throat> let's see the overall use of incorporating the game into the actual driving was cool. Um, as I said, they do make a point to show, I mean, some people might say it's like lazy product placement, but I mean, the movie is Gran Turismo, so naturally the game Gran Turismo is going to play a, a, a factor into the movie. Uh, but I did like how they kind of showed interesting ways of like, you know, him kind of trying to remember back to it when he was in the racing simulator, when he's out on the real track or kind of vice versa, him being able to simultaneously through his mind kind of picture both. Um, that was really cool and also made me just appreciate the inner workings of a car more. Not that I could tell you like anything about all the different screws and stuff, but when they do those animations where, you know, the car's coming apart and they show like the tires and the, the sockets, sockets is that even a thing with a car i don't know you you can tell how much i know about cars it's about jack and shit not much but it's there um some of the other things let's let, let's let's not you know I, it feels like i've been given a review for like the last 20 minutes which i guess i kind of have been but let's dig deeper let's dig deeper in this movie and talk about some of the the more beneath the surface kind of things if you will one of the things i wanted to talk about in this episode is this idea of knowing what you want to do with your life from an early age because jan's character is certainly there um i don't know exactly which point he reaches this but at one point in the movie you know he's saying he's like dad i've always wanted to be a race car driver uh, that's a really terrible impression of a, a British UK person. I, I'm not sure. Um, but horrible impression. <laughs> um, but at one point, the character is saying that, you know, he wants to be a race car driver from an early age. And I always admire people that I come across that 
know that they they just know in their bones that they're like yep um i had this experience with something when i was little it just really stuck with me and i have decided to basically dedicate my life to this one singular thing and you know for myself everybody that's been tough that's that's been really tough for me um I've always been a creative person for sure. Uh, at a very early age, I can remember always writing stuff down or writing short stories. Um, I think in like the third grade, I want to say is like the first short story I can tangibly remember, which I, but it was basically a blatant ripoff of a, of the flash. Uh, but I think I called it lightning bolt. So, you know, I guess I was aware of copyright law when I was in the third grade. <laughs> um, but I wrote this. I wrote this terrible short story of uh, of this thing that was a donut. That that's right. It was a donut, and other donuts were basically trying to get it. I I don't know exactly. There's like you know Doctor Donut or some bad donut that wants to kill the Flash. And oh wait, no 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 no. It's sorry. The memories from third grade are coming back. The lightning bolt guy is a traditional superhero that's not the Flash, but looks awfully similar to it. But he's facing his arch nemesis, which is a chocolate donut. And he's trying to build a device that turns essentially all the citizens on earth into donuts. Uh, Cause he feels lonely for being a donut. I don't know. Obviously that's not going to get made into a screenplay or a movie anytime soon. It's a child story, but I remember doing that from a very early age. But that being said, it's not like I knew from, you know, writing that one thing that I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's what I want to do. That's my calling in life is to be a writer. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, you know, in fact, you know, for years and years and years, I just kind of kept, you know, jumping from one thing to the next. Um, still always keeping creativity, though, I guess, at the core. So I guess I could say that that's always been a consistent driver of myself. But it's just manifested and kind of evolved over time into basically where it's at now. But I, I do sometimes wonder. It's like if, if I were to have gone back, you know, and, and maybe just taken either the writing or, um, you know, tried to maybe get into acting or done something like more seriously with film school. Like what would that have what would that have done if I had just stuck with that and just said, yep, this is what I want to do. I mean, I, I can't know now, but it isn't a bad question to ask yourself from time to time. And so I guess if I ever run into somebody that that's what they're telling me is that they've always known what they want to do with their life, I, I'm kind of compelled to ask them more about that and see what it is that made them just decide that. Like, how did, how did they become so sure? But I feel like the answer is probably similar to when somebody gets married and you ask the person, how did you know? And their answer is usually one and the same. It's, you know, just, oh, I, I knew when I knew. It just it felt right. It's a feeling, I guess. It's a very powerful, singular, distinct feeling that you just trust in your gut. You could call it faith. You could call it um, anything divine, I suppose. But it's a feeling, I guess, at the end of the day. And you don't really know 100% for sure if it's wrong or right. But it's it's there, and, and, and I guess you trust it. But... That being said, Jan's character, Gran Turismo, I thought it was pretty cool that he just, you know, stuck with it for as long as he did. You know, not saying he tried to get behind cars. I, I don't know if he ever did that, if he was just solely playing Gran Turismo the whole time and then it led to the cars or if he ever got some car exposure before. I, I want to say in the movie, they show like a photo or two of his 
like him and his dad with like a race car or something. But I don't know if that, that was just them going to like uh, watch a professional event or something like that. Something else that I thought about when watching this movie and thinking about it was what the what we could say about movies that have these uh sports tropes or these underdog movie tropes where you know it's like hoosiers or rocky or rudy where it's an underdog is trying to do something in an athletic setting or a professional setting isn't taken seriously or has to work tremendously hard to get there and then yay they fulfilled their dreams inspiration right a lot of people have stuff to say about tropes in movies you know they they're just like ah it's a trope i've seen it a million times therefore we shouldn't do it this is a case where I'm not going to pretend like there's not those tropes in this movie. I mean, they're certainly there a handful of times. I, I mentioned David Arbor's character isn't exactly something that you've never seen in another movie. I mean, you could certainly attribute other um, grussled, you know, grussled, is that, is that a word? Um, grizzly, you know, uh, retired figures that get drawn back into it. I mean, I know we've seen that before, but I guess all I'm trying to say with the tropes is that if it's done well, it'll still work. I mean, that's what makes a trope become a trope is that it can still have an effectiveness on an audience. I mean, looking at this movie right now, if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it does have a 63% critics rating on it, which does make it fresh. I think just barely. I think 60% is like the minimum. And then if it's any lower, it's considered uh, rotten on there. But then the audience score on this thing is 98%. 98% of an audience score on that for a movie that has all these tropes, which again, critically, they might bitch and, and rag on and just be like, whoa, it's been, it's been done before and stuff. But it's done really effectively in this. And that's the thing I'll have to say about tropes. Using a trope is fine so long as you have a talented team that can execute what the trope calls for. I would also argue on this that Neil Blomkamp brought brought an elevated sense to the trope in this movie. I don't think this movie necessarily feels like a Neil Blomkamp movie like District 9, Elysium, and, and even Chappie feels like. Uh, all of those feel very signature Neil Blomkamp films. This one sort of feels like he got more so brought on as like a hired gun. Maybe he just needed to do something of a safe choice because he, he had a couple, maybe more than a couple. I want to say he's, he's had certainly ups and downs since district nine. So I got to try to look this up. Neil Blomkamp. Let's see. I'm bringing this up right now because district nine came out in 2009 Let's take a look here. Director. Director. Why, why can't I? I just want to see his director movies. Uh, okay. So let's see. I'm trying to click see all. All right. So he had, he had a bunch of shorts. I remember at one point he was supposed to try to do a Halo movie and that just didn't happen, which kind of sucks. But yeah, he did District 9, Elysium, Chappie. Which I remember, like, I mean, Elysium actually is, like, it's really not a bad movie, but I remember it was kind of divisive amongst people. And Chappie, I really don't remember a lot of people liking. Then it looks like he did a bunch of shorts again, and then, yeah, then I guess he did Gran Turismo. So actually, you know, if I'm looking at this, 2023 is when, obviously, this came out. Neil Blomkamp has not made, yeah, he hasn't, damn, he hasn't directed a... I don't know, a theatrical film, at least as far as I'm looking at this, since Chappie. Since Chappie, and that was 2015, so, whew. But, I mean, he's he's been working this whole time. He's been working this whole... Oh, oh, wait a minute, I was about to say, I think I'm mistaken. I forgot he did this movie Demonic. Yeah, I 
don't know what the hell happened with that one. I feel like that one just kind of came and went. When did that come out? Neil Blomkamp's Demonic. I like loosely remember seeing a trailer for that, but let me... Demonic. Demonic, as if I can't talk. Came out in 2021. Huh. I I mean, yeah, damn. Sorry, I, I didn't hear, like, jack or shit about that movie. So I, that doesn't mean it's bad or good. i just just saying I haven't heard of it. But anyways, I'm just trying to say, I think Neil, uh, Neil Blomkamp brought something to this movie that otherwise I don't think would have been there. And if you had given this to a lesser director, I think that this probably would have certainly divulged into more forgettable sports-ish movie that we wouldn't be talking about right now. So that's all I got to say about that. Now, final thing that I will end this episode with, because I didn't think it was going to go as long as some of my other episodes. I, I just kind of really wanted to air out some thoughts on this movie, have some fun with it, not take it overly seriously and go from there. I thought about what other games could you play and play so much of that I could transition that over into real life. Hmm. Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> Uh, just kidding, but, I mean, in all honesty, you know, some people, their life is is a game of Grand Theft Auto, basically being a drug dealer and going around stealing cars and banging hookers and and doing all the other not good or moral, morally sound things that those people in Grand Theft Auto do. And I'm not trying to call out Grand Theft Auto on that, it's just that's kind of a fun title to think about. I actually really like the Grand Theft Auto games. I think they're a great time. They're really fun. It's a video game. I don't attribute it to behavior that I'm going to do in real life, but I also probably wouldn't give the game to somebody that's 10 years old. So, you know, limits and common sense, right? Uh, but Grand Theft Auto, I suppose if I did play that enough, I'd probably know more about the criminal underworld and be able to eventually translate that over into some high crime. Though, I think I would probably get caught, or I would need help if I started doing a bunch of the stuff that they do in Grand Theft Auto. I could always try to do Super Mario Brothers and just bang my head against a couple of blocks and hope that they break. But then, you know, what do you really attribute that to in real life? Or where do you channel that to in real life? I guess I could go like on a marathon and just hop a lot and maybe jump over obstacles. And that would be Mario skills paying off for like knowing the timing of my jumps. I could try that. If nuclear war ends up happening because of a result of the whole Russia-Ukraine thing and China and all the other horrible things that are going on and, and the nukes go off, I could play Fallout, play a lot of Fallout and figure out how to build up a fort, um, who I need to go and, you know, who whose village I should basically join up with, uh, where are the mutants at, how do I stay away from them. Um, that That's certainly an option, but let's see, what what other games... What other games could I translate over into the real life? Maybe if I Google this, because I, I, I'm sure I can't be the only person that's thought about this. So let's see. Um, games you... Okay, games you could play enough of in real life... Or games you could play enough of and then do in real life. Let's see. Because right, I'm sure somebody's got to... Got to have talked about this. Um, it's not really coming up. I, I I can't use a game like Zelda or Skyrim because like we're not we're just not in those times where you know you can go and 
you know, take a sword and, and go into a cave. I mean, I, I guess you could, but I, I just don't think you're going to fare that well. You'd probably be better off with a gun. Um, let's see. I'm looking at like a list of just random games right now to see if I could apply this. Metal Gear Solid. Could could I learn how to sneak around people and and be an expert in espionage? That could be something. You know, in fact, I'll stick with that. Metal Gear Solid. I could, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose if I did that enough, I could maybe figure out how to hide in the box and not be seen. Just a box. All because of Metal Gear Solid. So thank you, Metal Gear Solid, for any people in the espionage community that you have inspired with your games or have helped made a, a super spy. I don't really know. At this point, I'm just kind of spouting out gibberish about this and tying it all into Gran Turismo. I don't have anything else for this episode. Just wanted to have some fun and talk about Gran Turismo. Let you all know that it is a surprise of a movie. I guess I inadvertently did review it, which is not something I typically do on this. I kind of dive more introspectively into movies with either myself or guests. But in this one, I guess I just kind of wanted to give a general review, talk about some of the story aspects that intrigued me and give some thoughts on that. And then, of course, talk about what game I could play so much of so that I could just do it in real life and have that be my hobbies or not hobbies, my profession. So that's all I got. Definitely appreciate you all listening to this latest episode of screen speak. More content is coming specifically from the Iowa independent film festival. I can also tell you that next month I will be at another film festival here in Iowa city. Not going to spell out that one just yet officially on the podcast because I actually have a very special episode that I'm going to be promoting here soon in the future that's going to go all over that. So stay tuned for that. But there will be another film festival that I will be attending uh, this October. So I'll give you the details on that once I have that all up and ready so that you can follow that film festival, hopefully attend it and or see myself at said festival. That would be really cool. Otherwise, I got a lot of great content coming from the Iowa Independent Film Festival. I have more solo episodes that are in the works. So until all that stuff comes out, really sincerely appreciate everybody that follows the podcast, listens to it constantly. Uh, You are all awesome. Appreciate it. Could not do this without you. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.